Praise the Lord. Jesus is Lord. How are you doing today? I am trusting God that you have been blessed abundantly by the teachings out of this book, right? Glory to God. And I hope you'll be sharing these teachings with friends and family members so you can spread the blessings, right? Well, friend, you've heard me say this throughout this podcast teachings that you receive this for free and we are blessed that you are listening to this and you're growing in the Lord, but it costs money to produce this. So friend, will you bless us back financially so we can produce more of these teachings and reach out to many, many other people? It is really easy to donate back into this ministry. We have a very safe and secure website. It is drruthtanyorg slash donate. Or just visit our website, drruthtanyorg and while you are there, look for the donate button. And please make your donation right there. It's safe and secure. We would appreciate whatever amount you donate into this ministry as we will receive that as from the Lord. And God in his faithfulness will bless you back abundantly, exceedingly. And most importantly, you will be transforming the lives of thousands of others that you will help to get this teaching into their hands. So friend, consider blessing us back, even as you've been blessed by these teachings, so we can reach out to many, many uh, others. And we have other ways that you can donate. If you live here in the USA, you can donate through Zelle. Here is our Zelle telephone number to donate. 909-501-9031. Again, that number is 909-501-9031. We are also on Cash App, and the name for the ministry on Cash App is the dollar sign Dr. Ruth Tanyi. You can donate uh, right there as well. And then also check out our bookstore. There you will find many of my other Bible teaching books, audio CDs, or USB uh, teachings in USBs. These are Bible teaching that will bless you as well. And if you purchase a product through the ministry from our bookstore, it comes to us as a donation. So we thank you for doing that. However, if you live overseas, you can get my books from Amazon. So just get to Amazon and search Dr. Ruth Tanyi. My uh, books will come up. You can purchase right there. So I want to thank you so much for donating into this fertile ground, this ministry that is transforming lives as we uh, faithfully are preaching God's word. And also, if you are not yet uh, following us on Facebook, please do so. We are also on YouTube and on Instagram, Dr. Ruth Tani Ministries. You can check out some of, some of my uh, free teachings over there as well. And friend, do not forget to share these teachings with others so we can uh, spread the blessings. So as we come to the conclusion of this teaching, one last thing for more of an impact Please prayerfully consider becoming a Christ-centered partner with this ministry. 
That simply means you join hands with God and ask to advance his work here on the earth. And you pray for us. You support us financially every month as you are led by the Lord. And we pray for you. We also enrich your life by blessing you with different types of teachings to help you to grow in God's word and in your relationship with God. So it's a partnership that honors God and glorifies him and blesses us. Please consider doing so as well. Information about partnership is on our website, drruthtanya.org. So I thank you for choosing to spend this moment with me. And friend, I thank God for you that your hearts are open to receive. And may God in his love and peace saturate you today. In Jesus' name, here is the teaching. Here is Dr. Ruth with the conclusion of the book of Leviticus as she relates this book to other books of the Bible. We trust that the Lord has been teaching you quite a bit throughout this book, and you are now ready to live daily in accordance with the principles we have learned. Okay, we come to the conclusion of the book of Leviticus. I had promised at the beginning of this podcast that at the end of each book, I will offer a succinct conclusion to tie that to the totality of all scriptures. So you can see that every book of the Bible is significant and it ties to the big picture. So we come to this conclusion. The book of Leviticus is packed with instructions that God gave Moses at the foot of Mount Sinai. As we started this book at first glance, like I explained earlier, this is one of the most ignored or feared book in the Bible because people often say it is packed with do's and don'ts. People always look at the book of Leviticus as very technical, irrelevant, and uninteresting. Well, that is not true. I hope as we have come to the end of this book, you have come to the conclusion that There are a lot of godly principles taught in this book that are still relevant today. And at a closer look at this book, we have learned an amazing revelation about the nature and the character of God, which is still consistent. So the principles we have learned from this book, like I have said throughout, are still relevant today because the truths of God or the truths found in his word are immutable, unchangeable, okay? So before we go over the major principles and applications we have learned from the entire book of Leviticus, I want to remind you of two scriptures. Romans 15, 4 states that for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. So all scripture, the Old Testament written thousands of years ago, and the New Testament, all scripture was written for our comfort, for our learning. So those principles that I had gone over in the book of Leviticus are still relevant as we can learn a lot from them. They can teach us patience, okay, about walking with the Lord, and they can bring comfort to us. So it is relevant that we do not ignore 
the principles out of any book of the Bible, they are all relevant. No verse in the Bible is here by accident. I said that before. Every verse is important. And like I said before, even the times when I skip certain verses, skipping them does not mean they are not important for they are all important. I skip them because I summarize them and I present them to you. Trusting that you would go back and study them on your own closely. Okay, another powerful scripture that teaches us about the relevance of all scripture is 2 Timothy 3.16. This is a very popular one. It teaches all scripture is God-breathed, meaning inspired by God. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So what this scripture is teaching is that the entire Bible, the words here, are all beneficial to teach us how to, how to live a life worthy as children of God. So with that background, what are the major principles we have learned from the book of Leviticus? I was able to come up with 12 major principles. I have explained all of this in depth, so I will say this in passing, just to give you perspective. Number one, God's holiness has been emphasized throughout the book of Leviticus. And we saw that through his perfect laws, which no one could keep. We talked about that. And I talked about how as Christians today, we are still to practice holiness. Principle number two, we learned how God set the nation of Israel apart through his holy laws. And the purpose was to mold and shape them Okay, and to separate them from the other pagan nations. So God used these laws to consecrate, if you will, shape and mold the nation of Israel to reflect his holiness. That way other nations could see them and come to a true understanding, a true revelation about the true living God who is holy. Principle number three. All of the sacrificial systems that we talked about, the guilt offering, the grain offering, all of that was to set the nation of Israel apart, okay? And we talked about how all of the sacrificial system all pointed to Jesus Christ who fulfilled all of that. And this sacrificial system already in the Old Testament as we have gone over here in the book of Leviticus, was teaching the people how they could not approach God on their own merit. They had to go through this sacrificial system through a high priest. And today, the principle is the same. We cannot approach God on our own merit. We can only approach God through our high priest, Jesus Christ, who fulfilled all of this sacrificial system. Principle number four, we talked about the doctrine or the teaching of atonement of sins. Remember? Okay. The blood sacrifice. We talked about the animal that was sacri sacrificed and the blood was, was uh, sprinkled all over the altar. We talked about the other animal that the, the hands were laid on and was sent off to the wilderness as a scapegoat. We talked about all of that. We see God's consistent revelation of atoning for sins Already in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, Jesus was that perfect lamp that was sacrificed on the cross for 
the sins of the entire world. And his precious blood has atoned for the sins of the entire world. Although each one of us has to make a choice to accept God's perfect sacrificial lamp and come into a relationship with God through Christ. We talked about that principle of atonement there. We talked about the doctrine of substitutionary death. We talked about that. Remember, Jesus Christ is our substitutionary lamp. He died in our place. We talked about that. And we talked about how in the Old Testament, again, the animals, uh, uh, the perfect animal was sacrificed to substitute for the people's sin. And of course, the laying on of hands on the other animal as a scapegoat. We talked about that as well. Principle number six. We talked about the uh, role of the high priest. Aaron was that high priest and his descendants were to be priests for generations to come. We talked about the perfection that God expected from the high priest, but no one could keep that. And Jesus Christ fulfilled the role of the high priest. And um, principle number seven, through his laws, God also revealed how he is concerned about our physical health. He gave us, uh, or he gave the nation of Israel various laws for how to take care of skin diseases, how to take care of uh, diseased homes with molds. We talked about the fact that although these laws were meant to teach the Israelites that they are a separate people compared to their surrounding pagan nations, but these laws also had health benefits to it, okay? Principle number eight, we talked about sexual laws, how God is the same. He gives specific laws pertaining to sex. Sex is only allowed, is only sanctified, is only approved by God between a married man and a woman. Okay, God spoke vehemently and condemned homosexuality, lesbianism, bestiality, incest. We talked about that. And we talked about that this, these laws were supposed to protect the marriage institution and, 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 the, and the sex institution between a married man and a married woman. And these uh, sexual laws were supposed to to prevent or, or cut back on sexually transmitted diseases. But unfortunately, because of disobedience, today we have countless sexual diseases because people won't obey. Principle number nine, we talked about consequences for obedience and disobedience. I said a lot about that, so I'm going to just move on. Principle number 10, Okay, moving right along here, principle number 10, we learned about the importance of memory. Remember all those divinely ordained festivals that the Lord uh, commanded the Israelites to celebrate in remembrance of his goodness? We learned about that. And that is so important even to us today to not forget the goodness of God. And I talked about how even in my own life, uh, on those very challenging days, 
on those days that I'm just bombarded with uh, problems. I pause and reflect on the goodness of God. I remind myself of, of the deliverance he had, he had uh, enabled me to overcome in my life. And I remind myself of, of his blessings and just reminding myself of his blessings, his deliverance, his goodness, that in my life serve as an antidote against fear, worry, anxiety, and, and it is able to enable me to stand in times of difficulties. We talked about that. So these festivals are meant or were meant rather for the Israelites not to forget. And so what I want to do right now, I want to take the next few minutes to go over the seven divinely appointed festivals that the Lord commanded the Israelites to celebrate. And we will talk about that in relation to the significance in the New Testament or in relation to the significance to us as New Testament believers, even though the general significance is that we should always remember the goodness of God and how he has been with us throughout. But let's look at these specific uh, festivals and the specific significance to our new covenant with God because of Christ. Okay, uh, festival number one was the Passover, remember? And during the Old Testament time, that was when God spared the lives of the Israel, Israel's firstborn uh, in Egypt, and he struck dead the uh, uh, Egyptian firstborn. Remember, we talked about that, okay? So again, the Passover was when the death angels spared the life of the Israelites, and the death angel struck dead the Egyptian firstborn, and uh, they were all killed. And to us as New Testament believers, this is important because it is a reminder of God's deliverance to us through the precious blood of Jesus. We talked about that. Festival number two, unleavened bread. Remember when uh, this took place during the uh, Exodus, the mass exiting of the uh, Jews or Israelites from Egypt. They left in a hurry. And um, we also talked about the fact that in the uh, scriptures, yeast represents a type of sin and that um, the dough uh, was unleavened because the Israelites left in a hurry. And as a result, that means we have to honor or obey God quickly. Okay, we talked about that. And uh, the importance uh, also in the New Testament is that it reminded the people they were living the old life and entering the new. Also to us, this unleavened bread, which symbolizes quick obedience, which symbolizes purity in our lives, it also reminds us that we have to leave our past behind. We have to leave our old sinful nature behind. And we have to move forward into the new. We have to move forward with Jesus. We have to move forward with God and maintain purity in our lives as children of God. 
moving right along here, the third festival first fruits, okay, this has to do with the first crops of the barely harvest that the Israelites were supposed to celebrate. And it reminded the Israelites how God was their provider. And this also reminds us today that God is our provider. All right. Even though we don't have to go and offer first fruits to God, but God is requiring the best of us, the best offering, the best strength, the best dedication, the best energy. We have to trust God with all of our heart, all of our souls, all of our minds, all of our strength. We give God the best, the first best of everything. And as you remember, I hope you do, I had already explained how for us today, our first fruit would be, as an example, our first paycheck of the year. For most people, that would be the first paycheck in January. Or if you are not expecting a paycheck, if you are a farmer, it would be your first harvest of the year. And you have to just pray. And as you are led by the Lord, you give. If the Lord puts in your heart to give 25% or 50% or your entire first paycheck of the year, then you obey and do it. Because whatever the Lord puts in your heart to give as first fruit, he will bless you back abundantly, exceedingly. Okay? Okay, so we are now down to the fourth festival, which is also called Pentecost or the Festival of Weeks. Okay, Festival of Weeks. That was supposed to be celebrated by the Jews uh, at the end of the barley harvest and the beginning of the wheat harvest. And the importance uh, was that it was supposed to be celebrated with a lot of joy and thanksgiving to the Lord over the bountiful harvest, uh, highlighting how God is a provider and that is still applicable to us today. God is our provider and we have to give uh, God thanksgiving and praise for everything we possess because he really, like I have said throughout, is is the ultimate owner of everything. We are just managers or stewards of whatever we possess. Okay, the fifth uh, festival was uh, the uh, the festival of trump trumpets. Okay, festival of trumpets. It was supposed to be celebrated at the beginning of the seventh month. Okay, and again, this was uh, the significance was an expression of joy and thanksgiving to God. Again, the same thing with us. Uh, the New Testament teaches us to always uh, praise the Lord and to offer hymns and song of praise to the Lord continuously all the time and uh, because he is a good God. We worship and praise God because he is our creator and because he has given us Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the scriptures to guide and direct our lives. And at the end of the day, no matter how bad things may seem, when we die, we are going to go to heaven and not hell. So that alone is sufficient for us to praise God, especially as New Testament believers, for what Jesus Christ has done for us. These people in the Old Testament did not have Jesus Christ 
in the flesh. Jesus Christ had not come in the flesh. So they were promised the Messiah, but we have Jesus Christ who has fulfilled all of this. So we have so much, much more to be thankful to God for. God does not have to remind or instruct us. We just have to be continuously thankful for his goodness. That is what the New Testament teaches us. Okay, we come to the sixth festival, the Day of Atonement. We talked about that, which was a removal of sin from the community of Israel as a whole. And the um, sins of the high priest was also atoned for. And that was a foreshadow of what Christ Jesus has done for us on the cross already. And the significance of the Day of Atonement to the Israelites was it, it was a day that their relationship was restored with the Lord. And their sins were forgiven and they were restored into a relationship with God. For us, Jesus Christ made a one-time perfect sacrifice, atonement for the sins of the entire world. And we, if we accept that sacrifice, we have been reconciled with God. We have been restored into a relationship with God because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So we have peace with God. And then the last festival that the Israelites were supposed to celebrate was the um, Festival of Tabernacles, okay, or Festival of Booths, some people call that. This was... Um, uh, meant to celebrate God's protection and guidance to them when they were in the wilderness during their journey to the promised land. And, um, and the significance was that it was supposed to be a renewed commitment, okay, uh, from the nation of Israel, renewing their commitment to the Lord and just really uh, rethinking of how God had shown himself as faithful and how God had shown himself as their primary uh, protector. They were supposed to reflect on that, celebrate that as a family, and just to, and be grateful. Likewise, today, God is our protector. We have the, the Holy Spirit indwelling each of us to guide us, direct us, quicken truths to us. Most importantly, we have the inerrant, infallible, Word of God that speaks directly God's truth to our heart. So we have this word in the Bible to guide and direct our steps. So I, I wanted to highlight those festivals there and what it meant to the Jews and what it means to us. Again, God's truths are immutable. The principles are still applicable. Okay, so we go to the major uh, principle we have learned out of the book of Leviticus. This is principle number 11. I talked about the principle of dedicating something to the Lord. We learned that we have to think carefully, thoroughly before we dedicate or donate something or consecrate something to the Lord. However, where you want to use that word, dedicate, consecrate, or set apart. We should have our yes be yes and our no to be no. And even in hard times, we should not recant 
on what we have dedicated to the Lord because God takes it seriously. Okay, the 12th and the last major principle out of the book of Leviticus is that we have learned God's heart for the poor. Okay, we have learned God's heart for justice. We serve a God who is just. The poor people or the poor Israelites still had to offer sacrifice, but God dealt with them differently. And God gave specific guidelines how the wealthier Israelites were supposed to treat the, the, the poorer Israelites with, with love, compassion, and mercy. That is still applicable to us today. Jesus tells us we have to take care of the poor and the underprivileged. So those were the major 12 principles out of the book of Leviticus. Uh, these principles are still applicable because Hebrews 13.8 teaches that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we know that Jesus Christ was 100% God and 100% human being. So these principles are unchangeable. So what is or what are the major applications out of the book of Leviticus? Let's go over this. I have five. Number one, practical holiness versus imputed holiness. I talked about the fact that the Jews had to maintain God's holiest laws, which they could not fulfill them anyway. Jesus Christ had to do it for them. Those holy laws reflected God's holiness. And as New Testament believers, God is dealing with us because of grace, because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. But we have a responsibility to still practice holiness. Okay? Remember, I talked about that. We are... Uh, and uh, the fact that we today, as New Testament believers, we are supposed to reflect God's holiness through our actions, through our speech, through our lifestyles, so that we could, un we could attract unbelievers into the holy God that we serve. So the fact that we have inherited Christ's righteousness at the time of our salvation does not mean that this holiness or righteousness will manifest in our lives automatically. We have a role to play, and that is trusting the Holy Spirit, making intentional decisions to live holy lives, to glorify and honor God. Okay, second application here, Christ Jesus has fulfilled all of these laws, so we do not have to go through these do's and don'ts. Our relationship with God right now is, is that of freedom in Christ, liberty in Christ, to, to go directly to God through Jesus Christ. We can directly access the throne of God in the name of Jesus because he is our high priest. Okay, and the, uh, application number four, it's kind of a piggyback to application number two, that the fact that uh, we can access the, the, the God's throne of grace in the name of Jesus does not mean that we, we can just use the name of God carelessly. We should still have reverential fear for the name of God, and we should still approach God in the name of Jesus, not in our own merit, because none of us deserve it. 
but we are blessed and are grateful because of the uh, redemptive work of Jesus Christ on that cross. We are in good standing morally, spiritually with God because of Jesus Christ. Application number four. Jesus is our Sabbath, so we celebrate every day. We do not have to celebrate all these festivals, but remember, I talked about the fact that every day we give thanks to the Lord, okay? We celebrate daily for His goodness, for His presence in our lives. And, um, and fifthly, we uh, talked about the fact that uh, even though the uh, office of the priest as described in the Old Testament, is is fulfilled in Christ. A priest, as as seen in uh, Roman uh, Catholicism and Orthodox, are still very relevant today because they are still responsible to teach the laws of God and the decrees of God. But as New Testament believers, we can access our high priest directly and petition God. So those were the major principles and applications we have learned from the book of Leviticus. So um, I just want to say, if you have been listening to me thus far and uh, you do not have a relationship with God through Christ, I am here to tell you that Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the truth. He is life. He is the only way to the only true living God of the heavens and the earth, the God of the Bible. We are told out of Acts chapter 4, I believe, verse 12, that there is no other name by which salvation must come through except the name Jesus Christ. Because he has fulfilled all of the Old Testament laws, all of the holy laws I have described here, that no one could keep Jesus Christ, fulfill them perfectly. He was, he is the only sinless son of God. Jesus Christ was God before he became man. And he lived a perfect sinless life here on this earth. He was a real person who lived on this earth. And he died in place of you. He died for the sins of the entire world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. That is out of John 3.16. I am paraphrasing that scripture. God himself in the person of Jesus Christ died on that cross because of his unconditional love for you. God has paved the way for you to have a relationship with him. God has paved the way to prevent you from going to hell. God does not send anyone to hell. People choose to go to hell because they refuse God's perfect gift, Jesus Christ. You see, hell is packed with a lot of righteous people, self-righteous people who rejected Jesus Christ. <laughs> and heaven is packed with a lot of sinners, but they trusted Jesus Christ. So heaven and hell has really nothing to do with your actions. It's about a heartfelt decision to accept God's perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ, 
and God's perfect way to go to heaven. Jesus said all other ways, which includes all other so-called self-proclaimed religious leaders before him and all those are in existence today, they are all thieves and robbers. He is the only way to the only living God. So have you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life? Have you accepted God's offer for forgiveness of your sins? If you have not genuinely asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, I want to give you an opportunity today. Tomorrow is not guaranteed to any of us. The Bible says that to have a relationship with God through Christ is as simply as confessing your sins, acknowledging that you are a sinner, Asking Jesus Christ to come into your life. The Bible says that when you confess that, because you believe that, you will be saved. You will become a follower of Jesus Christ. So if you are ready and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was God himself in the flesh, who died for your sins and was raised from the dead on the third day by God the Father, if you believe that and you confess that, genuinely, you will become a child of God. So if you want to do that today, I'm going to say a simple prayer. And I want for you to pray after me. But keep in mind that it's not a prayer that will save you. What will save you is believing in your heart that Jesus Christ was God, is God, that he died on the cross for your sins. He was raised from the dead. If you believe that, you are just confessing with your mouth what you believe and you will become a child of God. So if you are driving, I want for you to say this prayer with your eyes open because God is after your heart. Or if you are home, if you choose, you can go on your knees as a position of surrender Raise up your hands towards the heavens just to thank God and say this simple prayer. Dear God, thank you for your, for your only son, Jesus Christ, who died in my place. Forgive me for not acknowledging this before. Lord, I acknowledge I am a sinner. Thank you for forgiving me for all of my sins. I receive my forgiveness of sins right now. I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is God, is the Messiah, that he died for my sins and you raised him from the dead on the third day. Dear God, I am confessing that right now. And by faith, I believe you have accepted my confession. By faith, I declare I am a Christian. Today, I denounce all other ways. I choose you, Jesus Christ, as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming into my life. God, fill me right now with your Holy Spirit to strengthen me, to teach me how to live as a Christian to glorify you. Thank you, Father God, for accepting me into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you said that prayer for the very first time, based on the authority 
of God's word as written in the Holy Scripture, which is the only inspired, inerrant, infallible words from God to you, I declare you a Christian. And God himself, in the form of the Holy Spirit, is indwelling you right now. And you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And according to Jesus, no one will ever snatch you from his hands. So your salvation is secured in Christ. And you are guaranteed to spend eternity with God when you die. So welcome into God's kingdom. What needs to happen next is that you have to find a Bible-believing, a Bible-practicing a Bible church and become a member, a church where the Bible is their authority and they practice what the Bible teaches, a church where God is elevated, Jesus Christ is exalted, the Holy Spirit is present. A church like that, plug yourself into ministry there, and fellowship with other believers and grow in God's word. And if you would like, contact us so we can help you with more resources so you can grow as a child of God. And for all of you who are already Christians, Father God, I pray for all of the listeners today. I thank you, Father God, for your, for your words that we have gone over in this book of Leviticus. We thank you for your timeless principles, which by faith we will put to practice. Holy Spirit, strengthen us. Teach us how to walk by these timeless truths. Teach us how to obey you. Teach us how to obey you promptly. Father God, by faith we know that as we walk in accordance with your laws, which are written in our hearts, your blessings shall chase us. Your protection is our portion. Your abundance is our portion. Your peace and your love will resonate through our lives and others will see. We just thank you, you're such a good God. I thank you for all the listeners today. Father God, that you are with them. We elevate you. We exalt you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we say, Amen. We pray for God to bless you today. Goodbye. Goodbye.